<laughs> Frank <laughs> tried. He tried. And <laughs> I... Uh, T... H... Thought... We had already started. Yeah. yeah. I know. I, I did know. too. Yes, we all did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike okay. is supposed to be sneaky. Yes, he is. <laughs> Let's hope we've started now. I have, I need to train him better. He yeah. does good. He's a good <laughs> Mikey's a good guy. <laughs> I love the um, little site he did for me, my art. That oh, was really, really, yeah. really sweet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I Beautiful. Read, I read Alan's poetry down at the Monterey Pop Festival a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was the 45th anniversary. Wow. And they let me read uh, in between the bands. Wow. And I got to read as long as I had poetry to read. I, if I'd wow. known that I was going to get to read so much. I would have brought more small poems. Wow. Short poems are that good for rock and is D-A. That's dangerous to tell, to have a, have a poet. You mean to tell a poet they could read until they run out of poems? <laughs> well, they didn't tell you until you were there. So you were limited by what you brought. Right, yeah. right. But it was great. But I also felt when it was time to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just knew that there had been a change, and that was just a chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, can I start with a poem? Can I read a poem? Yes. I want to read. Um, it's called. I found this in his his uh, backup material. Alan's Alan Cohen's backup material, and I really like it. It's called Twenty After. He wrote this right after we changed to a new millennium. I think you wrote it in 2003. It's 20 after. Where are you? Are you on this beautiful planet? Are you making peace or war? How did you get here? What are you supposed to do? It's 20 after. Albert Hoffman has stopped his bicycle. He's watching his mind and the world change. It's three years after the 20th century. And the time has come for the resurrection of the human soul, the healing of the planet, creation, innovation, manifestation, make it, do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we all are responsible for how things go. We really are. Who? Were you saying anything? No, he's not. He's not? Okay. Well, I want to read a poem called The Reflections on Nature of the Mind. What is this mind before which all passes, the cars endlessly rolling, the breeze, the people standing at the bus stops waiting, the way it wants to reach out and merge with nature, not the asphalt and the metal, but the beauty of the weaving branches, the blueness of the sky, the flight of the seagull, the uh, serious clouds, like an unknown alphabet in the sky. In time, I am waiting amidst the turbulent changes. I'm waiting before the future I am creating. I am waiting. In the now, there is a boarding of the bus, the placing of $2.35 in the coin box, 
the finding of a seat, sun rays reflecting from the aluminum backs of the seat, the air conditioning cooling the air, the squeaky brakes of the bus, the clicking heels of the tall women, stepping to the back of the bus and the movement through Sausalito to the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. This is now. There is a past. Here comes the future. Yet I look through some God's eyes, I laugh. I laughed after I cry from the shock of the transition. I laugh because of my mind, despite all these perceptions, these cascading thoughts, has no existence, no time, no separation. This is vastness. This is a sea of darkness. This is a kiss of light. This is the immersion into the mist. This is the flight of matter. This is a, a dissolution of soul. This is the remembrance. This is the eternal will, the wheel within the wheel. This is my home. This is my exile from the human world. This is a never-ending journey, our journey. I don't think I've ever read that one before. Wow. <laughs> T, E, tell. Everyone, who is Alan? Tell everyone who Alan is. That would be a good idea. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Alan Cohen uh, was my husband. He was the. He had a dream of a newspaper being read all over the world. And um, in Rainbow, when he was flying over the world, and he saw everybody reading this newspaper filled with art and and mm. beautiful colored art drawings and poetry, mm. and the next morning went out and started talking to people about mm. this. Him and he was with Lori at the time, mm. Lori Cole, and they people got excited about it, and it turns out that the uh, um, the Thalen brothers who had the psychedelic shop, mm. gave him the startup money. And that's how we had our first colored newspaper. It started out as black and white, and it was a street paper for the Haight-Ashbury. And we printed it, Alan printed it. I wasn't with him back then. I say we, though, because it seems so long. The. What? O. R. Oh, the name of it. San Francisco Oracle. Yes. And when was this? Anne? 1966 through 68, mm. about a two-year period of time. Mm. And um, it was a wonderful way of uniting people together through art and poetry mm. and beauty and getting their points across. We were all against having the war in Vietnam. Mm. And what better way of working at it to embrace people and to have solutions and quests mm. rather than what is going on wrong. Mm. And this was one of the most beautiful things about the mm. Oracle is because it showed the beauty, what you could do, how mm. life could change. It may be the M the most B E a beautiful newspaper in history. 
<laughs> we just republished it that you can get it online. It's smaller, but it, this is actually all the different issues oh, wow. of the Oracle. Wow. When yeah. did that come out? Uh, within this year. Wow. And um, my friend Carl Anderson has been such a wonderful help in putting this together wow. for us. And by having it on demand, what's so nice is yes. you're not using up all that paper. Uh -huh. When we put all the newspapers together in that big volume, I was left with 20 boxes of oh. extra pages. Oh. What a waste of paper. Yeah. We've yeah. been collating it, actually, Carl. We're just about done collating. <laughs> I think we're going to end up with about 50 more books. Wow. But anyway, this is keeping yeah. it open for the nice. future. This is electronic now. And you can really read Beautiful. it. It's actually, even though it's a little smaller, it's a little bit more legible sometimes than the original, yeah. which is great. Wow, so, that's beautiful. Isn't that nice? Really beautiful. I only have one, or else I'd give you one. The, yeah. Let's see, where do you get it? Um, I'm going to give you that information okay. in a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> called the Oracle. Yeah, it's called the San Francisco, Francisco Oracle. Oracle. And, and probably if people Google it, oh, they Oh, yeah, you it. can get it through www.gragroup.com. It's Global Recording Artist. That's Carl Okay. So that's. Wood? No. How did you meet Alan? Blind date. Oh, wow. What happened is I'd had my school <laughs> in Walnut Creek for maybe about five years, and um, one of the mothers in my school. She had um, never, she really didn't date. She'd had two children and she didn't date. Her, she was divorced. She was just taking care of her children. But then she fell in some love with somebody from her church. And it didn't go well. So she called me one day and she had taken a lot of pills. Mm -hmm. And I ran her to the hospital. I'd never had to do that for anyone before. Mm -hmm. The same time, Alan's best friend, Steve Walzer, who found his per first place to live in mm. The Hate, uh, had been married for 20 years, and his wife, he just found out his wife had left him for another man. Uh, an, an, another man. And Alan had to rush him to the hospital because he was trying to do his demise. And uh, so Molly and Steve met in the psych ward of Kaiser, mm. fell Whoa. in love, and oh. introduced us. Wait, fell in love and what? Fell in love. It fell, he fell in love with Molly, and so they introduced Alan and I oh, on a wow. blind date uh, in uh, at the Noe Valley Ministry. Wow! And that's how we got together. He came to my backyard. I would never have met him otherwise. M e N Mental Hospital are the. M O most R O romantic places. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> the the other thing that Alan did was he really played uh, a big 
role in um, the human being. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read something that I found. The hippies and the anti-war movement unite. The human being developed out of a success of the love pageant rally and the first San Francisco out, a rock and roll outdoor celebration. And Michael uh, Bowen and Alan Cohen were part of this. We felt that there was that the they were meeting in the um, what was it called? It was on Haight Street. It was like the pharmacy or the drugstore, and they. Um, they felt that the ideals of the peace and the love and the community based on transcendental visions could transform the world and end the war in Vietnam. So what they did is they organized uh, out of uh, Michael's pad at Hayton Masonic uh, groups of people from the uh, activist movement in Berkeley. And they would, uh, Michael spent time with Timothy Leary in Millbrook and he, uh, Allen Ginsberg had called him the, uh, a mystic hustler. He was quite a guy, but he had this incredible mind. And so what they did, uh, Allen and Michael were concerned about the philosophical split that was developing in the youth movement between the Berkeley activists and the flower children. The anti-war free speech movement in Berkeley thought that the hippies were due too disengaged and spaced out. They're, they thought that their influence might draw the young away from the resistance of the war. And the hippies thought that the anti-war movement was doomed to endless confrontations with the establishment, which it was, which would recoil with violence and fascism. We decided to strengthen the youth culture. We had to bring the two poles together. In order to have a human being, we have to have a powwow. And so they met with Jerry Rubin and Max Shear and other Berkeley activists who shared their ideas on directing magical and conscious energy towards the Pentagon. And that's when they tried to make the Pentagon rise. But out of that, that they did come up with the, uh, uh, the human being. And that's when the gathering of the tribes and the union of love and activism was overwhelming success. Because there was the Monterey Pop Festival came after that. Because the human being, I believe, was the very first outdoor when rock was and roll. That? that was in uh, 1967, mm -hmm. January 14th. Yeah. Isn't it, I, I would have thought it would have been in the summer, but it was right at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And then from that, in the following August, that's when they had the Monterey Pop Festival. Or was it July? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And then it just went around the world. And I really do feel that we played a big role in ending the war by bringing us together through music and different entities that want the same outcome. Mm -hmm. And that's very important in life. I am, I was in S.A. San Bernardino during all of this. Uh -huh. W. I. Wishing I was in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. I was a hairdresser in Alamo, California, helping my husband get through college. But then he was killed in an automobile accident. Mm. And after about six months of driving home fast to get home and realizing that he was gone, I just slowed down and I, I quit my job. And I went hitchhiking around the country on a quest. 
and my quest that I knew that there was good in everyone. It was just mm -hmm. a matter in how you presented yourself to people mm -hmm. and how open you were, mm -hmm. which is really pretty true. Mm -hmm. I did that too. Ah. And I could D E P depend on people. It's true. Being being there. You could he could depend on people being there for him. Yeah. Like he was, um, he ended up in this crash pad in Santa Fe, um, waiting for the person <laughs> he was going to live with to show up. But it took her a lot, much longer time. So he was there with no money and just the way he is. And he had to depend on people to get him up in the morning, to dress him, to put it on the toilet, to feed him, to do everything. And he, he, you were there for a couple months, and. Um, and you know, it it worked. S D I different it was always different people, but always somebody would do what you I created needed. your community. Yeah, that's right. It's amazing when we aren't so. I have to be careful about not being so independent mm -hmm. because it's really better not to be because yes. it gives people like to help. Right, that's right. I, it's, it's a, a trait and I need to work on. And H, J, H, I, O, H, U, M, A, N, human. Humans are A, C O communal yep. A N animal humans are a we are animal. well if a baby isn't touched they'll die even if they're perfectly healthy if they, they we it's 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 just the way it is I want to read a poem that Alan wrote for Tom Constanton when he and was married to Beth and um, when they're with their baby being born. Into the night of the light flashes, a point of matter explodes into energy and moves outward, forming billions of galaxies and constantly grows. We observe the infinite but live through our finite days, unaware that this birthing universe is our perpetual birth, that our sperm and egg, our atoms and genes and molecules are the same star energy, ever expanding, forever reborn, and every creation, every new child brings a thousand bells chiming to the end of the universe. Alan was a midwife on his ranch when they left when he left San Francisco, back and around the, the end of the 60, 1968, 69, 
he moved on to a commune in Mendocino called Table Mountain. And while he was there, Alan became a midwife. And we just reprinted his, when his son River was being born, this is Lori and his child. Um, they, he, he was a friend of Steve Walzer, the one that introduced us. Yeah. Just happened to go up to the ranch the time that she was starting her labor. Borrowed a, a camera from somewhere, one, and took pictures of while the baby was being born, and they turned it into. <laughs> wow. They turned it into a a, 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 po a, a book, and midwives would use this. Is it's a long poem explaining. I'm just gonna just kind of glance. Here's a picture of Alan meditating and here's a picture of Lori getting ready to give birth and um, it was it was just a beautiful time for him so he's always been very connected to the earth in our perpetual birthing universe yeah so this also you can, online we like that. Yeah. I really, yeah. that, those are great. Have you done any publishing? Yes, it, we were going to be showing you this. It's, um, well, I can get it, Mikey. I'm on mobile. Should I show her now? Is this Yeah, okay? this would be a yes. good time. I think All you right. dropped a wallet yes, or something. Yes, I did. Oh, well, we'll start with this one, maybe. Yes. Oh, this is new. Yes, it's just yeah. skin passion. Paintings and poems. Oh my, look at this. <laughs> I love, I love your work. Now you do this with a paintbrush in your mouth. I'm on his head. On your head. Yeah, um, a hard hat with a paintbrush. Do, and we have so, a, do we have a picture of that in here? No, of course not. But look at this um, one. This that's is, the self-portrait. Self so when that. he's painting, he can only reach that part of the canvas, so we have to turn the canvas upside down and sideways for him to finish the whole thing. I, I do my drawings upside down and sideways. Yeah. Yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I do them based on light. Where uh -huh. the light is, where the right. best light is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, Frank's been doing digital stuff more most recently. Really? Yeah, using the you know. It's easier. Is that easier yeah. for you? It's easier for you, right? L, E, less, M, E, and less messy. Less messy, yeah. Because he did oil paints messy. before that. Oh yeah, and easier on your lungs. Right. It's, that's a big thing. You can't be. We can't. We have to be and, very careful. And on. One. Time. I. S. O. S. P. Spilled. T, U, turpentine, turpentine mm. on myself, and did not know it, did not know 
it would burn. Oh, 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 yeah, turpentine does burn. Yeah. When I would have to use oils, I would rather use mineral oil to clean. Yeah. I just couldn't get around it. Yeah. I hate nice people. <laughs> oh, my. Should, should she read it? Yeah, read it. Okay. Okay. I don't have the vocabulary that Alan does, but I will. I get worried of my words and images and images fit through veins clogged with fatty taboos or po polite, appropriate comfortability. I get worried. Is the art that, that small? Is the art that small that it fits through that pinhole hole of a hole? So small that nudes on the walls, words on telephone poles, any shift in the social power structure threatens the very reality fabric. <laughs> I'm too proud to admit the art poetry is that small, so my art becomes a rotor-rooting balloon covered in razors, <laughs> tipping in Drano acid, pushing, pressuring, uncomfortable, unsocial, grinding against the grain until the killer fat clot, clots of taboos burst out the other end and go down the drain like trouble. <laughs> really, because you know white taboos. I mean, what is that? Right. I really go after the Hitlers and the McCarthys and the Helms or their brown shirts. They're just limp-dicked power junkies with Swiss cheese egos, each hole filled with inferiority, and they're just moons with no power lights of themselves, just reflecting he fear. No, I go after the nice people who never ask where the trains were going. Boxcars filled with people, didn't have to, only suspected, only heard rumors. After all, the general is a friend. Never said excuse me. I am a Jew too, Arab too, a Jap too, a gay too. I've Negro blood running in my body, AIDS too. I'm a commie who took home movies of our nude kids, so better put me on that train too. Better put us all on that train. There ain't no train big enough. <laughs> I go after the nice people who keep going to work after seeing their friends missing. After hearing rumors of blacklist and blackball, just write something about that subject to the Times. He used to be such a pleasant fellow, but now he's a whiny, paranoid, not a sort to have to tea. He's like a wet, messy fart, not in my backyard. <laughs> yes, I go after nice people, but my time in the bell jar is about over, so I'll leave you with this. What's happening in your backyard? What is what really matters? So be sure to weed. That's yeah, that's, that's really true. You know, though, we're raised to be good children, to be quiet. You know, I think that the generation of children coming up is a little better in that regard, but yet... I don't know. I've had a preschool out of my home for 31 years. And um, I think that um, 
I don't know how far along we've gotten, actually, mm. when I really, really think about it. Mm. You've got something to I, say to that? N. Was it I? No. N. O. Noticed. Oh, you're talking about in the 80s? Yeah, well, um, let's see. Frank moved into this Bay Area in the mid-70s, and for almost 10 years, he was out in the community. Every day, he had a motorized chair. He drove it himself, and he would paste on the front of here something he typed up that would introduce him to people and whatever project he was doing. He had a backpack filled with his writings and books or whatever, and he would just wheel up to people like at Sproul Plaza, and he'd be gone all day, and he'd be talking to people. He'd come home with numbers or just, you know. And then he said sometime around maybe like 81, 82, 83, was it mid-80s, 85, um, people weren't open. You know, they'd get like nervous that he was approaching them and they didn't know him. And what do you, why do you want to talk to me? You know, and it was just a whole different shift. And, and eventually he just stopped going out. And people weren't open to that anymore. We do have a world community that is open. But it, it, it could sh certainly be hugely broadened. But there is... I know that when Alan and I would go to different places in the world, I didn't travel that much with him, but we did. There were always some like people that were really open. But I, it seems to be closing in even more. Mm -hmm. And I do a monthly series. Um, this is like our fourth year, I think, a monthly series at the, in Oakland at the Temescal Arts Center. And it's a performance series, but it's, it's completely based on audience participation. So it's a really good gauge of like where people are at. And it's right now it's called Risk for Deep Love. <laughs> That's so, a good one. Yeah. So when people come, they should have a sense of, you know, what they're, what they're coming into. And it says audience participation. And um, I don't know, what would, what would you say about that? I mean, we have some performances where people are yes, you know, but mostly it's no. Well, and I think with computers and our Twittering and stuff, it has, in many ways, I've run into more friends through the computer, but in touchy-feely, we're just not, we seem to be losing a lot more of that. When, oh, go ahead. Yeah, when um, Clinton was elected, that must have been 1992, because Alan wrote the vision thing, and that we were really excited about what was happening when President Clinton was, mm -hmm. was elected. And uh, Alan wrote this. Are we at the beginning of the turning of a yearning for a dream of unity, of the dawning sun of true justice, of the rising direct vision of beauty and equality in each other, in each race, country, religion, of healing the wounded spirit, the wounded earth? Is it coming in a manger and compassion for the poorest, for the children, for the homeless? Is it coming through forgiveness, through knowledge applied, through actions that lift us up on a wave? Yes, the wave of love for children through the millennium of war denied, with hunger overcome, 
with the disease vanquished? Are we at the beginning of the turning of the yearning of a dream of unity? P, we, are, always, on, the, E, edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. are. There was, when we did the pop Monterey Pop Festival, they didn't sell a lot of tickets. They were going to have two big stages. But when it got closer to the show, they didn't know, the promoters didn't even know if they were going to be able to do it. Mm. So they cut one stage out because it would have cost them $25,000 more just for the one stage because they really felt the dream of bringing us together, you know, y'all. And so there were more people performing than we should have had at one time, and it got up to about 9.40 in the evening, and it, It's a Beautiful Day hadn't gone on yet. And then David came in, and he was very angry, you know, that he hadn't gotten on, and the promoters were willing to pay the extra fine to have him still play, but he was angry. And if you're really angry, that kind of throws the whole yeah. thing. And so afterwards, uh, Linda wrote on Facebook about how she was frustrated about it. And people really got on board. And I wrote in, you know, because I knew the people that had done it. They had best intentions. And we really need to be easy on everyone. You've got good intentions. You've got to think before we get angry. We lose our anger. When we get angry, we lose our center. Mm-hmm. And we don't feel mm. other people. Right. And it's really important to be easy on mm. each other. It was, it, see, creates, no, C-R, O, I, mm. cripples, cripples us. It does. Anger does. Mm. And people get on board of that and, you mm. know, it becomes a big witch hunt. Mm-hmm. It's just very, very odd. It's C H A I N chain. It's a chain reaction. It is. I I love Gandhi. Gandhi. Alan um, was a, a school teacher for a while. He was a substitute mm. teacher, and I was really happy when he did that because that was a good thing. He's a good teacher. And he wrote this poem, teaching Gandhi and all of it. I'm sitting on the bus bench on Sacramento Street waiting for the 88th line after substitute teaching the third junior high history and English classes. The assignment includes showing the film on Gandhi. I introduced the importance of Gandhi to our history, his influence on Mandela and Martin Luther King in the 60s and the worldwide peace movement today. I wrote on the board the words nonviolence and non-cooperation as means of social change and revolution, but most didn't care. The sun had turned warm and its heat is pouring into my body. I start to chant focusing on the healing of my faded liver. Alan had uh, liver cancer. Then I think, why chant? I am within, I am within God and inside the 
manifestation of God's being born 13 billion years ago in an explosion of mass gases, its body growing into space and creating all of it in me. Nothing is wrong, life and death, not even a flicker of time and flesh. God is me and I am God, and so are you, and yet I want to live longer and harder with heart and mind, expanded with love, the size of the universe. Yeah, he had, um, yeah. At A G U a guy. Um, is this Al? Yeah, the uh, the performance we did in October um, last week. A guy um, flew in from Peoria, Illinois, to attend the performance twice. Well, we found out after the fact. I mean. So, you know, this Vimeo.com, we mm. have been putting, um, for a little mm. over a year, we've been putting all mm. these videos out of our closet, you mm. know, mm -hmm. like decades worth of videos. And we found mm. a world audience. We get like 12,000 mm. people a day watching our videos. Wow. And mm. people from all over the world. And so this was our first person mm. that actually was a, um, he'd been wa he said he's been studying mm. Frank on Vimeo for like um, mm. a year and seven months or something. Mm. And he finally prepared himself to come to the performance. He didn't tell us. Mm -hmm. And um, he came twice. The first time he came so that he wouldn't be distracted the second time by That's the logistics. Mm -hmm. So he came so he could find the hotel, mm -hmm. find the space, just kind of get used to the area. And then he came and attended the performance. And, you know, one of the neat things about it was because he's been watching all these performances and seeing what happens when people say yes and people say no, he decided I was going to say yes to anything Frank asked me to do. And which he did, you know, and, and he was just like... It's so open. <sighs> it's so freeing. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, really is. Yeah. It really... Yes is a good word. Yes. Whenever I'm having a gathering and people ask things of me, I always answer yes. Yeah. We always, you know, you just have to be open and flexible and, and it works. Yeah. You know. Yeah. T. R. U. Trust. L, I, life, trusting life. Yeah. I had this paper. Alan wrote, I guess, Flight in London, September 2002. And on the top of it, it says Frank Moore reading. And I'm not quite sure why, you know, I wasn't sure why. But anyway, you want me to read it? Flight to L London, yes. see if you remember it? Okay, because <laughs> it was kind of a mystery to me. I wasn't quite sure why I had the different writing. Flight to London, September 2002. Waiting at gate 8A, flying to London from San Francisco. I talk of war file. While talk of war flies from Washington to everywhere, they search for my... They search my backpack and shoes and find a scissor I'd forgotten to take out of my toiletry bag. They swab everything, testing for explosive. I, I wait my traveling companion friends from the 60s in the Haight-Ashbury. Whatever happened to the flowers of yesterday year? We're invited to the new human being in London to speak about the origination of the hippies and the human beings in the summer of love and peace and love and community those virtues long forgotten amidst the cries of war and revenge. 
We finally gather at the gate, but I begin to panic, thinking I lost my passport and my boarding ticket. But after a search, I discover I placed it in the hidden hip hugger, secret pocket. We board the plane, the flight attendants, young and beautiful, the plane so large I can't see the end of it, slipping over the visual horizon. It's a 10 seat wide, and there's an upstairs with more seats or maybe a lounge. The seats are narrow and close together, probably about 600 people giving up their destiny to technology and pilot competence and their trust in each other or the randomness of chance. There is a monitor on the back of each seat that stores and plays 50 movies and TV shows and games and messaging devices and website and telephone all made accessible with a remote control that can't make that I can't make work despite instructional video. <laughs> As we're waiting for takeoff, the pilot announces that there's a broken part in the engine that oh. they are fixing and testing, causing a new half hour oh, delay. No. If that makes me nervous, or the <laughs> hugeness of the plane, or the possibility of terrorism, there's a shopping catalog with fashionable small items I could buy right there on the plane from makeup and perfume to CD players and computer games. Though tempted, I resist and finally begin to, and we finally begin to roll down the runway and lift off into the air. It's an early evening and dinner soon comes, all packed neatly in plastic containers. I'm eating with arms pressed against my sides. I am a robot on a space flight as a plane shudders in the wind seven miles high. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, traveling's fun. <laughs> that we have stopped traveling. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a while. We had already stopped traveling but unofficially and then um, when Frank almost died and you know, that was when we saw you when you came over after the hospital. Yeah. Um, it just it just seemed like it was too hard, you know. So we've officially stopped traveling. Yeah. Which well, which is really okay. It's really better for us all to stay in our own neighborhoods anyway. I got chickens this year. Oh, I'm loving wow. my chickens. Yeah. And uh, and I'm getting to have a lot of uh, making up new songs about the chickens. Because <laughs> Susie, she's a Polish hen. She's my big flyer. And she flies over every place. So she flies and wants to sleep up in the apple tree. So wow. I've kind of let her do it. Yeah, <laughs> but we do need to stay close to home anyway. We've got gas. We're using up so much. And it's the same with um, finding harmony in oneself, is finding harmony in one's neighborhood and in one's home, because that's where peace begins anyway. U C A came. Yes, you came um, when Frank was rehabbing here from the hospital and perform for us in our living room i and did that was so great it was so great yeah yeah i don't play my big guitar anymore i play my little guitar because i make up music on the moment wow look it's, at that yes it's just wow. this little 
it's um it's like a it's got a wide neck so it's really it's basically a, a guitar that's a instructional guitar if you're going to the classics and you're a child I really like every time we come something new comes to us of course now all my words are kind of my head's really empty and I'm really not sure what I'm gonna say <laughs> but it's okay it's okay it's okay don't worry Whatever that is. Wow, nice. <laughs> I like the spontaneity of life. After all, we don't know from one minute to the next what we're going to be saying. Yes. <laughs> that is why I like performing because you don't know from one minute to the next what's going to happen yeah oh yeah 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 yeah. it's a surprise for all of us yeah that's when the magic begins huh? <laughs> when you put away the script and you just people think i know what's going to happen you keep saying i don't know what's going to happen no <laughs> doesn't even matter <laughs> when you have expectations you know things kind of fall apart but when there's no expectation the magic is there <laughs> yeah oh yes I that's life is fun life is quite fun that spontaneity of it I s I-A-L-Almost-D-I died because they F-T thought I was D You mean if we like the putting the tube in and stuff? Right. Um well what we what we discovered cuz Frank was only there to um it was an emergency thing but they they discovered that he needed to have his gallbladder removed. Mm-hmm. And that's like supposed to be a really simple operation. You go home like in a day and that kind of thing. But because of Frank's body, um, people really didn't know how it worked. And so after he was knocked out and came to, this is stuff we've kind of found out. Like it's, it's pretty normal for the breathing mm-hmm. to be a certain way. But because of Frank's situation, they um, thought there was something wrong with that. So they intubated him uh-huh. and that just like started like something that took six weeks to get out of which that was really where the almost dying came in because once they started that and then it's like 
you know, we have to make sure you're eating mm -hmm. and swallowing right. And we, we had um, Frank's ENT mm -hmm. that we know for 20 years, mm -hmm. who I had emailed right before we went in the hospital and said, we're bringing mm -hmm. Frank to the emergency room because he has these symptoms. And that doctor showed up every morning, mm -hmm. Richard Carbavez, mm -hmm. and talked to the doctors and then came mm -hmm. and talked to us. And he, was, he, he kept saying to them, you know, Frank is never going to be like you and I. He <laughs> oh said, no. I've seen Frank eat. <laughs> yeah. I know what it's like. He doesn't eat like you. He doesn't eat like me. If you're waiting for him to look like that, it's not going to happen. We're just going to be here forever. And they, <laughs> even with that, you know, we still, it was they an get, uphill battle. Well, they get, doctors and medicine, Western medicine, get so stuck in the way it's supposed to be that right. it's very difficult for them to be open and in the moment and yes. wing it. They yes. don't do that so well. I there are some that are really good at that, but. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I we do have our angels. Yes. H, A, had, two, L, E, let them, put yeah well I mean in the end Frank had a trach in and a g-tube in and and really that was the only way we could kind of play it out to to get out of there once you get stuck in their claws <gasps> oh uh, I oh. had um, about with um, uh, pre-breast cancer Mm. And uh, this was um, a year ago, last November. Mm. Maybe it's two years, I don't know. Mm. And so it's supposed to be a really slow-growing thing. And I had two surgeries. And after that, they wanted me to do radiation and then take these estrogen blockers. Mm. And when they were explaining to me about the estrogen blockers, they were saying, well, now, if you go on an airplane, you have to be really careful because you can get blood clots and you have to walk around. And I thought, you know, before I do this, I'm going to go to somebody else that's a MD, but they're alternative. And had I gone and done what they had wanted me to do, it would have been the beginning of the end. You get mm -hmm. stuck in their mm -hmm. net of pharmaceutical mm -hmm. and all that other stuff. And I mean, you're just become old really quick. Mm -hmm. Yes, we've seen it over and, and over and again. And stuck in the dollars. In, <laughs> right. They, T, thought, they told, they thought Frank would never eat again. And oh. they, and they were just like, it's okay, Frank. You know, you'll think of all the time, you'll say. Yeah, just, just <laughs> the, the stomach tube's good. And, you know, you just know <laughs> and the thing was, in the course of the time that he had to have the tube in, to just play it out. This is after we're home and that's all over. Right. He got an infection and we were back in the emergency room. It wasn't like we did anything wrong. We were really no, meticulous. You, you were in it's just net. the nature of that sort of a thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I and it, they, we, then, Would, could, not, get, the, 
Oh, the G tube. So you know when they had said um, they that they if he, he needed to get the G tube in mm-hmm. and then they would let us leave yeah. the hospital. Oh God! <laughs> so okay, so we said now like once it's time to get out. You know, it's how difficult is that to get the G tube out? Oh, it's just like an in. It's in the office. You just come in and we just yank it out. They're made to just come out like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and then when it's time to come out, we go to the office to mm-hmm. the, the specialist that had put it in, and he was uncomfortable because it turns out like most people don't get him taken out. And if he's taking them out, it's just to put a new one in. Mm -hmm. And he was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm used to people being unconscious when I do this. And there's Frank sitting awake. And Mikey and I, we knew that was a bad sign. And he gave it a tug. And he said, I can't get it out. We have to do a procedure. And we explained, you know, you realize that he was more comfortable with the procedure than to deal with us and just pull it out. And, you know, we, s- we waited for him until he was finished with his patient so we could talk to him. And we said, do you realize that this all started from Frank getting a simple mm. procedure and it's getting him knocked out that's the problem? He, you know, nothing, nothing. And in desperation, we emailed Frank's doctor. We emailed his ENT. Mm-hmm. And um, we were, you know, it was Thanksgiving weekend. We couldn't talk to anybody. So we scheduled oh, this procedure so knowing, <laughs> knowing. And his, his general practitioner, John Good, also someone we've known for like as long as we've known our, each other practically. Um, we went in there. He said, okay, explain this to me again. You're telling me the guy who put it in there is telling you he can't get it out. And we said, right. And he said, and, and you know, you've checked this out, and you know this is something that's supposed to pull out. We said, yes. He said, let me try. And he goes, and he's like yanking, and, you know, it's not coming out. And he looks at Frank, and he goes, Frank, I, I want to give it another try. Is that okay with you? <coughs> And he gets it out. Right. Isn't there a balloon or something yeah, inside yeah. there? It's and you're supposed to deflate the balloon? Not that one. This uh-huh. one didn't require it's that. It's like a little rubber mm-hmm. thing that's kind of it's supposed to fall. Because I have yeah. a child with a spinal bifida. Yeah. And uh, he has one of those feeding tubes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but he amazing. pulled it out and it was like that, like just that one movement, that one person that knew Frank and knew And he had that confidence. Yeah, it's amazing. The mind is amazing. Yeah. If you can visualize it all working, it works. It will work. (laughs) But when you don't, it it won't. That's right. I'm um, doing another book for Alan. It's his Table Mountain Poems. And um, I'm getting different um, artists to illustrate it for me. Because one of Alan's wishes was to go ahead and do an oracle again. He really wanted to do an oracle. He wanted to do that. And when he'd read poetry, he liked to be backed musically because it's bringing people together cooperatively Mm -hmm. to create beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And so Wes Wilson, I saw him yesterday and he's going to do one of the, illustrate one of the poems. But I want to read one of them. This was um, in 19, probably 1968. He had just moved on to a commune. He had only lived in New York, in Brooklyn, or in San Francisco. Alan never drove a day in his life. So now he was on all these acreages of land. It says, I sing of one, of how we create each other. 
by day in sight and word, and at night in dreams, and how we are created by clay soil and the giant redwoods that spring from it, the winter rains, the embrace of fog, the clean water the hills collect for us by the heat of the or of sun and the glow of his winking wife moon and their maraud children glittering and dancing when the sun and the moon sleep and how we create ourselves given the infinite capacity to act out our lives and loves drink a handful of spring water breathe the north wind plant the seed and sing <laughs> I think with all that stuff that we talked about, you know, I just, it's like, we just have to have faith and visualize and have people around us and, and give as much as we can to help others along if they want to be helped. You know, that's about all we can do. And E N Enjoy and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> and enjoy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it be easy. There's a little poem where I'm gonna, I'm gonna find it. It's called The Comedy of Inches. That um you gotta be easy on each other. A comedy of inches inches. A truck driver swings a U turn in the intersection. I jump to curb. It misses me. Drivers smile. I return smile. He in high cab, me in the street, have made a contact, a comedy of inches. <laughs> Turn something negative into a positive. Yeah. Yeah. Alan wrote this one. It's called Sparrow. Sparrow perching in the bush chirps between gear shifts of the 43rd breath that I bus. I hear it. That bush may be mapped in its genes. Generations of forebears perched there and sang. Mm -hmm. Finding that little wonderful nature as the, in between the bus gears shifts. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Because here we are. This is our world. This is our life. <laughs> what? Where? Uh, wood? Would you? R E read my M L O C locked in, locked out. Is that in that book, Mikey? It's mm. called. Is that it? Yeah, it's locked in, locked out. You want to find yeah, it? Yeah, sure. You're more familiar with yeah. it than I am. Okay. Sure, of course I will, big guy. <laughs> oh, so you have two different shoes on. I like that. <laughs> there it is, locked in, locked out. And I, I love leg warmers. <laughs> when I have little babies. Yeah, there's two different leg warmers on yeah. the tip. When I have little babies and they don't, put everything in their mouth and they're still unable to walk everywhere I'll get them little leg warmers and just get them all padded up uh -huh. and let them go <laughs> <laughs> it starts there and it keeps going until there okay good okay. all right locked in locked out evolution searches out potential within every life form within every experiment 
flowing through change, flowing through adaptions mm -hmm. into new possibilities. This tide wave moves everything, shapes everything, leaving everything which doesn't find the ever-changing mm -hmm. potential within its souls behind, just didn't live out within the dynamic dance of existence Failures are the golden steps of expanding mm. creation. But we civilized humans have been, not been denied for most of the blink of our history, most of our potential. The tide wave has been dammed up. Mm. Evolution has been funneled down into a narrow, high-pressure laser, focused for profit and power of the hidden few. Most of our potential is locked in, locked away, locked out, locked up, locked away in closets, locked away in factories of meaningless work, locked away in warehouses of waiting to die. Death waits, the dull lifetime to come, locked outside its margins, locked outside of the homeless streets, locked inside the suburbs of isolation, locked within the walled communities, of comforting, unreasoning fear, locked up within well-paid sitcoms, locked out tolling in the fields, not allowed to eat the food, dying in the false famine, dying from thirst in the African dust, manufactured from bottle demand, dying from sickness, pre preventable, curable, locked away within the dark other locked in the kitchen, cooking artificial food of bland, pretending, routine, not fulfilling any need or love, locked down in chains, on the sofa, on the shrink's couch, absorbing unattended, unattended, uh, unattendable desires, locked in gridlock, not coming, not going, just sitting within, <laughs> unmoving isolation, Listening to the latest, what, Muzak, M-U-Z-A-K, Muzak? Muzak. Yeah, of loveless, loneliness, all shining and cold, locked away in the compassionless bedroom with the glass ceiling, tied down in the bed of hopelessness, tied down, locked up in the nursery home, nursing home, lifetimes of wisdom, Dismissed and forgotten, locked up in padded cells, dangerous healing imagination being burned up like electric shock, burning up the trash that could save us all. Locked up on death row within the isolation cells, lies change. It will not die, even under tortures of 10,000 years, just locked up. Dam it up with the oily gum of dogma. Manufacture fear and mistrust of the other of different of, of, of the other of difference. Pour the many flavors of this poison of bigotry from childhood and mother's milk in God's image on the blackboard of coloring within the lines. Lock what's acceptable, normal within the lines. Then send these good citizens off to crusade, on crusades of killing, of the different other, of killing, of diversity, 
which is the curse of profitability, profitability of the brew of bigotry, blinds the eyes to the red in the color of all human blood, blinds us to, we are all locked in, locked up, locked away on the plantations of slavery, in the sweatshops of suppression, in the factory farm fields of exploration, in the occupied territories of closing walls, of refuge camps, of wandering Jews, of death camps, warehouses of all kinds, filled with waiting to die. Living hopes, dreams, loves, imaginations, cultures of the human spirit, which do not fit into power, wealth, and controlled reality. Yep, we are all in there, including most of you who, who believe you are the masters of the guards in your own dank cubbyholes of fears and addictions. And within ourselves, we have been digging throughout the ages, underground passages, linking passions together. When we reach to touch one another, the bars melt like butter. We sing together in words that the masters can't understand. We create each other, dream, imagine, together. We hope and make love, together behind the dam in evolution. The silly, mentally retarded girl giggles as she runs to hug an absolute stranger. This is hope of evolution. The police hose fires, high-pressure profit, blasting the shortages through the dam's hole. Business as usual, but it looks like evolution is about to burst through the dam. Will it destroy all of us? Who knows? We always have lived with doomsday, judgment day, around the corner. Sometimes it came, and sometimes it didn't. But I'm betting that our underground potential will be released in the coming flood, and will expand. But then, this is written by the guy who was supposed to have died long ago in one of those deaf cells. There's always hope hidden up in our sleeves. <laughs> there we go. It's one of the I ought to read Cold Street Saint. I love that poem that Alan wrote. Yeah. I have that one in all these things. When you bring too much, you know what? <laughs> Can't find nothing. <laughs> Isn't that true? Yeah. Too much is... Too much. <laughs> okay. We be you I built I like a we built another house. Is that what you're talking about? The blue house down the street just so we'd have more place to store our stuff. I like that. <laughs> and we're Storage. filling that place up too. Well, and then you have that other little house over here. That In the back yeah, right here. Got my, that got chairs and things from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. We, we are collectors, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. We like to hold on to our dreams mm -hmm. and keep them when we can. <laughs> Cole Street Saint. Walking down Cole Street any sunny day, no one knows for how long, you can see if your eyes are open, Charlie, the Cole Street Saint, 
usually hanging in on a bench or a stoop or rolling down the street towards the ice cream parlor or waddling up the street towards the Zen bakery. He looks like Humpty Dumpty hastily put back together again. But if you're addicted to appearances, you might see what is rudely called a mongoloid idiot and feel a twinge of pity and walk away into the obsession of your own darkness. But if you walk right up to Charlie, he will light you up like a candle mm. in a dark room. He will pierce your street armor and you will be a naked child again. Red face, smiling, tongue hanging out, he will take your hand and throw his arms around you as if you were his prodigal son returning. He will press you firmly against his body and if you close your eyes, try it. You will be immense in the glow of selfless love. Then he'll ask you for a quarter for ice cream or a cupcake and when you give it to him he will bubble and bounce with joy. He will hug you again until there's enough sunlight within you to melt the most frozen heart. Charlie is the cheapest saint in town and he's accessible to all dispensing innocence on a sidewalk flock. But be discreet, there's a fragility to goodness and Charlie will be your friend and you will be close to the heart of life. Wow, nice. And your poem reminded me of that, you know, breaking yes. through. We don't need, that's a great poem, Frank. Yeah. Thank you so much. I know I had to immediately have this tendency when we hear something, we want to go, oh, yes, and I have this. <laughs> and then, you know, it's really better sometimes to quiet yourself and let it flow. <laughs> but it's a really good poem. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that was a good one. I don't. No, I want you to W no to have that C O copy. Oh, thank it's you. A gift. Oh yeah, thank you. You gave me a, a gift of a book last time. Oh, did we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Part of the shaman. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I've been drawing a lot. Yeah. I really have been. Oh, wow. And all these pages wow. that I have here are all from the when I did the Monterey Pop Festival. Um, wow. There's Big Brother and the Holding Company. Wow. You see Beautiful. That? You see that? Wow. And... Uh, Sal Valentino, do you, that? No. you remember? Can you hold that one up for a I second? I know I was being yeah, because otherwise it's like, whoops, what was she showing? <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> and then I'm dropping things. That's you get it. it? Got yeah. it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, and um, I um, I love to capture the moment. Here is uh, Joel, uh, Jolie, uh, um, come on, Annie, Dino Valenti's son. You know, that uh, he was, it was, it was a fun, fun time. Beautiful. He liked that one. Uh, one more I want to show you. Um, where, is, where is it? Oh, Sal Valentino. Do you remember him from the 60s? Anyway, yeah, he did a lot of relationship songs. Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, Sal so, Valentino. Sal Valentino. Sal Valentino. Yeah. But anyway, I did 17 drawings that day. That was fun. I. Um, T. A. Take. Notes, Mikey. It was um, Zal. Is that what you Z Sal, Sal Valentino. Sal Valentino. Yeah. <laughs> the R E C the record oh the record industry um shut lover down our internet radio station oh it was um was it in April or somewhere Why? around there Why um well we we knew it could happen, but it took them like 12 years to do it. About 10, 12 years ago, they came up with this set of regulations for internet radio station, which scared most people off because they said it was retroactive, that you had to pay them a certain amount of money, but they also wanted to control what you played. So they had a list of like, you can only play an artist once every hour, you could only play something from an album once every, and a whole bunch of rules. And Frank had said he's willing to pay the sharks, that's what he calls them, but he's not willing to hand over control of content. And so when everybody else shut down, Frank said, well, you know, I'm going to wait till they find me. So it took them like 12 years to find us, but one day we wake up and there's an email from the attorney from their nonprofit arm and s explaining to Frank, that um, they don't have any record that he's paid, you know, his dues for the last however long and he owes them all this retroactive. And even when he pays them, he still won't be in the clear, so he better get an attorney. And um, so Frank turned to Mikey and said, make lover disappear. And it was just like that. Like within an hour, we were gone from the Internet. And the next morning, he woke up singing that Kenny Rogers song. You gotta know when to fold <laughs> up. Know when, <laughs> yeah, know when to walk away. Yeah, there's, there's certain battles that you will take on and certain ones you just don't. Life's too short. We yeah. might as well be happy. <laughs> N-O, now, W. R, O, O, W, R, O, M. It's a station out of Detroit. It's an internet station. They contacted Frank shortly after that and said they heard about Lover and would he like to do a show on that station. So this will play on W, R, O, M in addition to other things we do with it. Nice. Yeah. 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 Nice. I want to read Alan's um, poem, The Day Chet Helms Died. And Chet Helms died, um, not this time. He was the January 17, 2000. There had been an article, uh, well, uh, an obituary in the uh, Chronicle that Chet had passed. Well, he hadn't. Yeah. <laughs> and so they decided to do a mock funeral. And so Lee Housekeeper put it together in San Francisco. And Alan uh, wrote obituary for for chat so after big brother and the holding company played their set at the monterey pop festival i got up and 
showed him that drawing. I was getting pretty comfortable by that time. They'd had me on stage probably way too long. <laughs> showed him the drawing, and then I read the poem. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. The Day Chet Helm Died, January seventeenth, two 2000. The day Chet Helm died was the day they brought old San Francisco down. There were darkened skies and a storm about to strike. The women cried and danced in the streets while the good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye down by the dock of the bay. The day Chet Helms died, Golden Gate Park was filled with mourners, all with flowers in their hair. Big Brother played on seven hills while Janice smiled from the clouds singing, You Got That Peace From My Heart. The day Chet Helms died, the police chief and the park rec had secret meetings planning to turn the polo fields into a golf course and the Getty family drilled for oil in the soccer fields. The day Chet Helms died, Owsley returned and gave out real LSD, <laughs> and everybody remembered their last ecstatic romance at the Avalon and began to dance that perfect trance dance that merged them with the divine. The day Chet Helms died, all the brothers and sisters got together to love each other everywhere and Dino shot his guns in the air and Bill Graham tried to charge admission at the gates of the rock and roll <laughs> heaven but Edmund Grogan gave him his good Irish boot explaining what a good thing they all had up there and it was all free while Jerry led him gracefully away. The day Chet Helms died they tried to bring the hippies down but they all rose as one, and they were knock, knock, knocking on San Francisco's door again, chanting, the whole world still watching. There is an immortality to joy and love and peace. And they all threw away their balls and chains, ready to ride again. Alan Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. The F A M. I, family, D, O, dog, the family dog. The family dog, Chet Helms. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, for the, oh, for the audience, tell people, um, say a little bit about who Chet Helms was. Oh, yeah. He was... Uh, he brought um, Janice Joplin uh, back from, uh, where was Janice? Was she in Texas, I think it was? Yes. And he brought her here. And um, he was a very, he would go hand in hand with Bill Graham. Though Bill Graham got up very early in the morning where Chet would sleep in. He was more of a hippie guy. And he he brought, uh, he, he started the Avalon Ballroom, brought... He was a wonderful man. He, I think Chet probably, he died after Alan. Alan died in 2004. And Chet got hep C like Alan. And he actually died from the inferon. His body just gave out. But he was a wonderful hippie, wonderful man. And um, well loved. Big heart. You have anything else you want to say about Chet? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. B. He, he was good friends with Alan. I, Bill, Bill Graham, mm -hmm. was M O M I. Mm -hmm. Mikey's 
manager um, when Mikey was in a really? in a band. He was managed by Bill Graham. What band was that, Mikey? Oh, Mr. Dog. Mr. Dog. But it turned into Counting Crows. They when oh, Mikey yeah? left, they got a new lead singer and changed their name to Counting Crows. So then you knew you knew the Paradise Lounge, didn't you? And Robin Reichert, wasn't that uh, one of the places that Counting Crows was mm. with? When we they did first play started, Lounge. you did. Yeah. When it when they first were when you were first together. Um, yeah, I can't remember exactly when, but it was with when we were um, with Bill Graham. We did. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, he was quite a man, Bill Graham. That was a terrible, terrible accident with that helicopter he, when that went down. Yes, he <coughs> he tried to. Um, Right, he tried when we were doing the Outrageous Beauty Review and at the Mabuhe Gardens in the 1970s, and that was like for three and a half years, very popular. Mm-hmm. And we we met him at one of Warner Earhart's Christmas parties, and this was during the period we were doing the Outrageous Beauty Review, and he was very aware of the show, and you know was very friendly to us and everything. And he said, you need to get out of the Mabuhe. You need to move to a new venue. And so Frank said, well, yeah, you have a, you have a place for us. You know, and he said, well, call my, call my person. And he gave us the number, which, you know, we, we had no intention of leaving the Mabuhe, but we played it out. And, you know, nothing came of it. It was just, you know. But Frank always likes to tell the story about how Bill Graham tried to get us to leave the Mabuhe <laughs> to go yeah. to bigger and better things. Yeah, there's been a few times I've been asked for certain things like that. And when you're comfortable, you're comfortable. But bigger yeah, is not better. That's right. That's so you right. know, if you're happy, you're happy. S D I R Dirk S A Saw Me. Yeah, Dirk was the producer at the Mabuhe Gardens, right. the one that opened the Mabuhe up to us and, and we knew we had gold because Dirk saw Frank. Yeah, you know. he saw. He saw who In fact, he was. Remember when I was here the first time we spoke of the Mabuhe and it was right at that that night that mm. Dirk died. Oh, is that right? When you were here last time. Wow. The first time. The, the first, first time, time, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it wow. September? Was it this time of year, October? <sighs> I don't really remember. <coughs> a lot it was in two thousand and four. Wow. What, Dirk, the picture? Yeah, we have a picture of Dirk. It's on the corner there, Frank Dirk sitting on Frank's lap. That was the last time we saw him. Which was only like maybe a year or so before he passed away. Force of love. Love grows as days grow in spring. Flowers bloom, gradual opening, graceful, imperceptual gesture, revealing hidden, hidden depths, dividing, sounding, and dark ocean-stirring feeling. Dare I go deeper into the unknown, sea of surrender, where your touch echoes and even moans of ecstasy, dissolve into silence, Pulled by the force of love deeper, further from myself. Sinking, drowning, I float in the embracing waves, invisible from the surface of my senses. I am drifting, shuddering waters. Pacific calls until the wind of your thighs and toes tosses me, turning into starlight. 
I become a rainbow stretching across the darkness of sea, surging sky. It's amazing when we let ourselves go and we don't aren't in control. And whether it be a group or one person with us as a companion, but it's just amazing when we can let ourselves go and be. Jay, you just F O follow. To, to just follow. Just follow. Just be. Yeah. Being yeah. sensitive to the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hadn't read that before, but it just kind of popped out at me. <laughs> the force of love. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I like that. I've been... Um, I have these little poems sometimes when I go places... I will just give them, give them out. This is one of Alan's poem, that 20 after, oh, that one that cool. I just gave you. Yeah. And then the comedy of inches. It's kind of nice to have. Uh, is there another one here? Worlds are born from the touch of the naked bodies. Trees materialize from the internal embrace. God himself and the goddess herself loved us yeah, all into the beginning. We must come again. Mm -hmm to that embrace and that beginning. So there's another oh, one. Thank you. Yeah, I have mm -hmm. That was when I did Alan's 70th birthday, mm. or I think one of those. I had a bunch of different things I did and gave everybody mm. poems. Alan used to like to do collages. He liked that. That was his mm. art when he wasn't doing poetry, where yours is your poetry, you do your painting. And now it's all online. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Which is great. I like that. Mm. Ran across this one, it says, Hippie Documentary Script. Who was that masked man and woman who wrote across the American consciousness in the mid-60s of the 20th century? They appeared first in San Francisco, the city of the gold rush, the Barbary Coast, the 1906 earthquake, and the beatniks. They gathered in and around the forgotten district called the Haight-Ashbury, near Golden Gate Park, not far from the end of the American continent. They announced they were going to rid the world of war and injustice by creating a model culture based on peace and love and communal living and an economic system based on sharing and giving. Their dreams were swept swiftly through, swept swiftly through the, world, the whole world, and despite repression and regression, pressures raised against it is still reverberating in anti-war movements, liberation movements, and even revolutionary movements based on nonviolence. A, B, I, big, L, I, E, a big lie, is the 60s, F, failed. You probably run into that. That the... That 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 it failed. They wanted that the it 60s to was a failure. That Frank said that's the big lie out there. It is there. the big lie. 
because the seeds were sown. Mm -hmm. Look at global warming. Look at what we were talking about, taking care of the earth back then. Mm -hmm. These things, the awareness is just coming around. It was really scary for the establishment to have us break out of of their 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 shell you know mm -hmm. it isn't a big it is they sure tried to there was something the other day that i had written on facebook or something like that i kind of like that facebook just because of the fact that you can reach out mm -hmm. i don't like it for general chatter uh -huh. but there's certain things that it comes in handy for and I was talking about peace, and there was this woman that said, well, you know, I used to smoke marijuana and blah, blah, blah. And I said, we weren't talking about marijuana. We were talking about peace. And that was a problem what happened in the 60s. We had all these great ideas, and they went to a niche that they could exploit right. as if that's what it was all about. Right. And had we not gotten into the deeper of the drugs, would it have meant then they hadn't done that? Would it have been quicker that we would come to an awareness of the world around us and the way it was if they weren't able to they'd figure out some other reason to put us down? Right. Yeah. But it, it's, you know, we're human. Us, you know, that generation were humanitarians I, and not humanitarians. I, <coughs> L, E, A, learned to be S, N, sneaky. Yeah, so it, but through seeing how that works, so Frank kind of sneaks his message or his his way of doing things in so it's not it's not like it's obvious so they can't like go after it and take it apart mm -hmm. well, well go ahead or c o o co-opt it so they can't co-opt it mm -hmm. that's the other thing that happens mm -hmm. i just find living my life as you know with compassion mm -hmm. and hoping that that compassion mm -hmm. will spill over because you don't get anything by being critical of people when you can like with the oracle back to the oracle again one thing about the oracle that was so beautiful is it didn't criticize as soon as you criticize people there's this wall that just goes down but when you can visualize a beauty and people can see that beauty, rather it be the whales in the ocean and how wonderful they are, and, and rather than saying, you know, you're polluting, you know, rather than saying, you know, we really want these things and visualize and make people see that those are the jewels, you know, changes come. There's less, you know, conflict and friction. S. H. O, W, show, the, P, possibilities, show the possibilities. 
for, yeah. The possibilities that can bring, you know, contentment, happen, happiness, peace. Yeah, but we really do. I was going back again to about that, how everybody was getting so critical about the promoters for that group. And these are all people that think of themselves as peace-loving people. But we get stuck in that so easy of being critical and fear and criticizing and, you know. It is the S-A the same as when we, when, my, when it, when, p, e, people, give, think, I, am, l, my, when people think I, um, I am, p, a, are paraplegic. Mm -hmm. What what do you mean? It's the same. Not. S. E. E. Seeing. R. E. A. L. Real. Really. Real. Reality. Not seeing reality. Um, well, we run into that. I mean, Frank had Joyce pointed out to me the other day, it's even people that know him will like and have like, you know, been with him and played with him physically will say Frank is paraplegic and, um, and have no, or yeah, right. That's more. He has no control over his arms and legs and his body. And and he looked at me and he said, you know, they know that that's not true. You know, but it's like, why why did they say stuff like that? What what is it that they're not seeing? I. B. E. Because. They. Because they A, C, C, accept the F frame. They accept the frame that's out there. Yeah, the frame, just like that, that, that poem that I was, you had me read uh, that you wrote, Frank. I mean, it's like people see a certain frame, they see the way it is, and it's hard, or they're afraid to say anything that they're going to say wrong, you know, mm -hmm. they just, so they go within that frame, we'd be nice, you know, no. I try not to be so nice, I've, I was always such a good girl, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> and, and it's really better to be more open, and, and they, they don't, no, they want, they think, the W O R the word the words are the words 
S spastic is um right people don't like to use that word spastic because that's what, like really technically frank is spastic he has control over his limbs but he, he moves spastically well we have chaos before we can get organized and when you're when you're using when you when you use that light it takes you a while before you zero down that's that chaotic time before you zero down <laughs> i <laughs> P L A play the piano. Oh, nice. Yeah. How can I do that if I'm paralyzed and can't move? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And all those in between letters, <laughs> notes that come in in between, right. <laughs> and then you get it all. It's it's quite beautiful. Chaos, you know, uh, organization comes out of chaos. Just the way it is. <laughs> Let's see. I'd never read this one before. Image, the man in the pink shirt. The man in the pink shirt pirouettes, lighting his cigarette, trying to block the wind. Victorious wind, the fire goes out. He lifts his back, turns, cups his hand, creates a dark, still place, and he is the fire maker. Puff of smoke disappears into the wind, yeah. wherever that came from. <laughs> I don't know. Amazing things. I was sleeping, at least I think I was sleeping, when I heard you say, or I dreamt you heard you say, this was a poem that Alan wrote about us. And it's a real kind of a love poem. I really love that guy. It's been eight years. Mm. Amazing things. I was sleeping, at least I think I was sleeping, when I heard you say, or I dreamt I heard you say, open the window and you will truly see amazing things. So I struggled to wake from sleep, rising upon my knees, mm. or I dreamt I struggled to wake and rise, and then gaze through the window, there below in the garden, it was raining from the inside of the earth up to the sky and back down to the earth. Then I thought that I had not really risen to see the earth rain, but I had dreamt the rising and raining. So I continued to struggle to rise when our cat Jazz leaped upon my rising body. <clears throat> and I finally rose, kneeled, and looked out the window again. I saw the garden lit by the full moon. Then I slipped down beneath the covers, cuddled against your warm body, and kissed you lightly. Realizing you were awake, I said, I heard you say open the window and you will truly see amazing things. And I told you what I dreamt I saw and what I saw in this real world. Then you leaped up, went into the bathroom, and asked me to look out and and asked me to look through the long skylight. There was a tall pine tree pointing to the bright planet Mars, and I just and just to the southwest of it, the full moon lighting the real sky. We ran back to bed naked in the cold night. Mm -hmm. yeah. See, if we were in that little frame box, and he told me, 
I heard you say that I might have just rolled over and gone back to sleep rather than going with it of what he was saying in the middle of the night and jumping up and looking at it. <laughs> you know, you got to get out of that box. <laughs> and playing of the piano and all these things. You just do it. <laughs> I have always be e ben d u dumb i don't k know what is i impossible Oh yeah, that's good. And being, I think being forgetful and 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 not you know and uh, unknowing is a is is a blessing because then you don't have all these stories that you have to deal with. Mm. <laughs> you just do. <laughs> this was a book that Alan and I did together. I did the illustrations and. He wrote the poems. It's called The Book of Hats. And he was working at the Slock Shop on Grant Street in San Francisco. It was a small store with antiquities, little, ha little things. Um, there was hats all over the place and just very odd things in there. And people would come in from all over the world and look at all these things and hats. And people that are strangers often will leave a little of their life with you. Yeah. And Alan would um, <clears throat> write them down on anything he could and then he realized that he had a, a whole book. So I want to read one of these poems. Let's see. Zorro. And here's the picture I did must have written this book and must have done it in the 90s. Zorro. A man wearing old brown leather jacket pants slipping down his legs, teeth missing from his mouth, one of the mad rats who haunts North Beach, asked me for a Zorro hat. I give him black on flat, give him black flat crown, wide brim, flamingo dancing hat. He smiles toothlessly and says, that's it. He tries it on, tilts it, and looks into the mirror. You think I can do it, man? Do you think I can be Zorro? You can be whoever you want, I answer. Zorro's my hero, man, like Jesus is yours. No, I am my own hero, I say. I got to get the rest of it, black on black and some steel. He pretends to whip out his sword. You think I can do it, man? Am I Zorro? Go for it if you want. Will you hold it for me, man? I'll be back before Halloween. I'll be back. <laughs> you know, being open and just kind of dumb and yeah. just letting things go, yeah, yeah, yeah. you get these jewels. This whole book is filled with jewels. I love it. The Boxer. A short, lean, gray-haired man, about 60, flashes a sweet smile as he enters late one afternoon. He's wearing a blue warm-up jacket. He looks at the English bobby helmets hanging from the ceiling and mentions that he should have 
bought a couple of the old Bobby helmets in London when they changed helmets three years ago. I come to Frisco every three years, go to City Lights and to Cafe Triesque, and I think that I'm talking with all the new artists and writers. I was here in the 50s. Alan, Jack, and me started it all. I'm only kidding. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just an old boxer from Milwaukee. You can tell a boxer from the way he walks. I came to meet Ron Lundee in Redwood City in a hotel. He was a light heavyweight champion in 1937, and he's 71 now. So I was sitting in the lobby watching people walk to the desk. But when he came in, I knew it was Ron. He had this balance like a ball bearing was inside him and his cockiness in his walk. See, there's two things you never know about a fighter when he comes into the ring, his punch and his heart. You see a guy with rippling muscles, you don't know if he's got a punch. The punch comes from the right foot, right from the sole of the right foot. You can feel it come through, whoosh. I always tell a, a bouncer, excuse me, I always tell a boxer to take his natural stance. Nothing special. However he feels comfortable, that's him. Before a fight, the boxer weighs in at noon. What do you think a fighter <clears throat> eats then? Not steak. It's too dry. A fighter has to sweat. He has to eat something greasy like pancakes or waffle. A good fighter has to sweat. He's shining with sweat in the ring. If he don't sweat, he's going to wilt. I show him the old leather boxer helmets on the dummy's head hanging down from the ceiling. He remarks, I don't like my boxers to wear helmets. It makes them feel safe and takes away their peripheral vision. I'm going over to City Lights bookstore and buy Coney Island of the Mine. I lost my copy. I like Ferlinghetti better than Ginsburg. His, la his language is leaner. See ya. And he walks cockily out onto <laughs> Grand Avenue. Wow. <laughs> Have? No. Every? Everyone? Is? A? C? R? I? Critic? Everyone is a critic. Was that um, mm -hmm, because of what we were talking about? How he felt about Ginsburg. Oh right, right. Yeah. I like Ferlinghetti. Ferlinghetti. He's leaner. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, critic right. it makes gives people kind of ownership of the moment. Uh huh. You know, when we're little, you know, our parents are. You know, they hang on our words or whatever it is, and the world revolves around us. And I think that we don't ever totally get away from the world revolving around <laughs> us. <laughs> I just D E discovered? No, D E S described A H G U a guy you just described a guy. A. S. As. A. S. No, as a A. N. 
Oh, an angry Irish punk. Right. So this was um, at the last performance. We had a couple, a Dutch couple from the Netherlands. The guy was a, a fireman. And he took a year sabbatical to travel uh, in the, around the United States, I think, wasn't it? Or was it around the world? Around the world. And he said in the Netherlands, he said, everybody is like this. They all are right here thinking. Like, it's everybody's in the same headspace. And he, he said, in some ways, that's good. He said, but he wanted to step outside of that. He said, in the United States, everybody's like in all different places. And he wanted to experience that. So we have that couple. And then we have this young Irish guy. They, S, said, S.A., they saw the, the flyer at, on the hate. Both the Irish guy and the Dutch couple had uh -huh. seen the flyer in the hate. Cause so Corey and Alexi, yeah, I love that. Yeah, so, and then the young Irish guy, um, you know, and so, um, now let's see. He, um, at one point, he was obviously uncomfortable. I mean, that's the nature of these performances because Frank will go around and talk to people and um, get something going with the audience and the performance grows out of that. And um, so at one point, the Irish guy, very uncomfortable, said, I don't even think this is performance art. <laughs> this, is, this is just this is some old sleazy guy trying to get people to do what, they want, what he wants them to do or something <laughs> like that, which Frank didn't hear the old sleazy part. I didn't tell, I mean, I that didn't know. That was good, it. that yeah. was okay. Well, I didn't know he didn't hear it. And then afterward, when we were talking about it, at the end of the performance, I said, because he was like, you know, Frank is like, could the guy saying that? And, you know, it, it just rolls off of Frank's back. And in fact, seconds after that, this um, performance art teacher who has this lofty opinion of Frank as this influential performance artist that everybody looks up to walks in the door after oh, nice. the young Irish punk just left. <laughs> and Frank said, you just missed it. And he talked about this young Irish punk. He called him the young angry, <laughs> the angry Irish punk. And... Um, you know, so I don't know what you were going to say about him. He, in, on, oh, when you wrote it up. So Frank, um, when we put the, the video of the performances up on Vimeo, and, you know, we have people that, like, you know, are waiting there the Monday morning to watch the performance. They know it's coming. They wish us well beforehand. One, two... T H thousand two thousand no two thousand twelve thousand right we had told her that twelve thousand a day people twelve thousand people a day watch the videos so Frank wrote in the description about this you know he mentions you can see the young angry Irish punk he says a few things about him. And so somebody got all like this about it and wrote back to Frank. What do you mean, young, angry Irish punk? And you wrote, he kind of mouthed off about, you know, how dare you call the guy. Label I him. Label him. You labeled him. I looked at that whole them. video. I don't see him looking angry. 
I mean, there was no well, question about it that the guy was angry. I mean, anything you could question was not. I mean, he was obviously very upset and angry and kind of. When people get out of their their element, yes. Some people act that way. Right. Some get really quiet and polite. Right. That's right. Yeah. It yeah, just yeah. each and you're just seeing that person acting out just the way they act out when things are odd. That's right. That's right. So then you have this guy that's like freaking out that Frank's calling this guy angry. Frank said, well, define anger. Uh-huh. You know, and the guy wrote back very angrily. Oh, and I'm supposed to define angry? It seems like you're the one that's supposed to define anger. <laughs> really? Oh, I have one called, when you said that, I thought, I, Alan has a poem called The Angry Poet. All right. <laughs> Let's see it. And I've never read it. Let's hope that I can read all those words. Okay, here we go. The Angry Poet. A young man with red beard, big be barrel belly, and a small backpack asks for a cool hat he can wear on the train ride to New York. Something that will absorb sweat and he can put tickets in it. I show him a few hats, but he thinks only a baseball cap will do. What are you going to do in New York, I ask. I'm going to, I'm, I'm doing some poetry readings in New York and Princeton, he answers. How did you get that set up, I ask curiously. My wife teaches at Princeton and my friend is an agent. My first book is being published by Black Bear Press in Mendocino. He shows me the galleys of the Rome on the highways, a small book of prose poems that are strong, angry, staccato, one-breath explosions on the fall of America. I started writing, continues, when I was laid off from the line at the Cadillac plant in Patterson, New Jersey. See, when you work on the line, everything is repetitive and boring. So I keep from going nuts. I used to remember everything from my childhood with all the details I could picture in my mind when I got laid off. I didn't know what to do with myself, so my wife told me to start writing all those pictures in my head. And I just kept doing it with these jazz beats and rhythms of the line. I read him one of my calmer observer, observing lyrics, and he asked me to have a cup, cup of coffee with him. I have to stay here and sell all the hats now, but how about tonight at 6, I ask. No, I've got to catch my train to New York at 5. I'll see you and he swings out on Grant Avenue. So here's this guy that was looking like he was kind of an angry guy. He ended up being a good friend of Alan's, actually. Oh, wow. He used to come into town every once in a while, and he liked to go out after midnight, mm -hmm. which was quite fun. We never did that, but we would do that with him. Yeah, <laughs> wow. But anyway. I would, I could, not e a eat in p princeton you couldn't eat in princeton yeah this was in the 70s right 1970s i w e i went in to that there four four different restaurants and they wouldn't serve Frank. Wow, nice place. Yeah. Talk about people not understanding anything out of the norm. Yeah. B 
I what was there for two hours. Oh, you were there for two hours, and then that was, you mean you left because of the way people were? Yeah. Oh, I would, wow. Why stay around when yeah. you're not wanted? Yeah. I can't do that anymore. Yeah. I can't do that. So maybe that's why uh, that you mentioned the angry poet, mm -hmm. and then we were able to tell the story about Princeton, which is good for people to realize that we're all perfect in who we are. Mm -hmm. And the differences of between us is quite wonderful. Mm -hmm. All of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you S I sing one of one more song. Um, yeah, all right. <laughs> Rather than I, I think I'll sing the one that Alan and I wrote with me. This was when we were having the war in the Gulf and we were crossing um, the Bay Bridge and I was thinking about how the oil wells, they were talking about the oil wells were going to be going up and I was thinking about the whales and how they're part of us and I wrote this song. The song of the whale echoes through the sea. She Just like you and me She dives back down to the depths below And she swims around with her family Same air. We just need to be easy on 
find peace within and peace without. I know we will. All right. <laughs> My voice isn't as good as it used to be, but I don't really care. It's <laughs> It's the emotion of it. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Big deal. <laughs> Talking to the wrong crowd about stuff like that. No, I'm actually enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. I'm really finding that as those layers of perfection that we work so hard yeah, at yeah. kind of flow away yeah, and the yeah, mind yeah. does, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was always L lucky well Frank said because he could never do anything right yeah and so it was complete oh, yeah. freedom oh, he yeah. could just do anything <laughs> and that was that was that you can have your right shoe this color yeah, your left shoe right. that color <laughs> well I feel much freer I came from a Republican family that was very conservative wow. and then when my husband died when I was 22 and I had to tell him to turn the machines off because his brain went flat mm -hmm. and I did that by myself it just kind of broke my shell, and you just kind of was, anything goes. <laughs> wow. You know, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a good thing. Why be brittle? P, E, people, C, O, N, M, come. To the performance, performances, and S A and say they are B bad. Right. Frank will say, "Well, what do you do for fun?" Well, I I play I the guitar and I sing. Oh, sing us something. Oh, I'm I'm bad. I'm you know. <laughs> and then them them they'll sing and they'll play the guitar and everybody will love, love it. it and, right. You know. Yeah. I I can I try my new song? It's yeah. about Susie the chicken. Chicken in the kitchen, buck buck buck. Chicken in the kitchen, buck buck buck. Chicken in the kitchen, buck buck buck. Shoo, chicken shoo. Susie flies over the tall tall fence, the tall tall fence, the tall tall fence. Well, Susie flies over the tall tall fence, and she lands in the apple tree. Oh, where, oh where did? Susie go, I don't know where Susie goes. Well, where, where does Susie go? She's sleeping in the apple tree, and then the intermit. The, what do we call that? The chorus. She's sleeping in the apple tree.
right. <laughs> My babies like that song. They like the song that's just the dog barking, whatever it is, that they can just join. <laughs> so that's the beginning of my new top ten hit. <laughs> yes. Mm. Having fun. L. O. I. No, L O U. I. Louise. Wanted us to get chickens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She said, get your own chickens. You just go out and get your eggs every morning. Oh, you know, it, they're so gentle. Yeah. My yeah. son gave me a trowel. You know the trowel that you use for making cement smooth and stuff? Right. This yeah. long blade thing. It's great because you got to clean the chicken coop out every day. Yeah. And you just take it and scoop it out. And it's so easy to keep clean that way. How many chickens do you have? We have five. We did yeah. have six, but Cookie ended up being a rooster. Oh. And you can't have roosters in city limits. Oh. And I f figured out that Cookie was a rooster when she or he was about three months old. I noticed that he was getting this right. crowy thing, and nobody yeah. else had that. Uh -huh. And then one day I walked by and I heard this, er, er, and I went, oh, somebody in the neighborhood has a rooster. I went, cookie. <laughs> wow. So there was a, a rooster rescue out in Crow Canyon. That's a word, rooster rescue. And it was a boys and girls ranch. Huh. And they had lots and lots of chickens and wow. cookie move there. We, wow. we didn't like losing her, but right. him. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. yeah. We get wow. three or four a day. If you do it every day, it's no big deal to clean Eggs. it up. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, three or four a day out of the five hens. But what yeah. comes with that is all these wonderful problems that are really not problems at all. They're just challenges. Uh -huh. And it's, it's lighthearted having chickens. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. good thing. Yeah. But you're not going to get roosters, chickens over in your corner, over there, over by the, the redwood trees. <laughs> Is that where they spot. would go? Is You've got a spot? good little spot. I saw that spot. <laughs> you saw chickens. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you wouldn't want to let the chickens be stuck inside of a coop all the time. Uh -huh. So you'd get all the problems that I get when they're young and they fly up. and uh -huh. You'd be having songs, big guy. Uh -huh. More songs. <laughs> <laughs> we'd be having You'd neighbors. Be having your own neighbors. <laughs> we'd be having neighbors well, shooting at our chickens. No, yeah, not they're, they're so gentle sounding. Yeah. On is one of the neighbors. You have not both sides, right? You one of the neighbors. Um, e don't like. The the redwoods, yeah. The neighbor on this side hates the oh, redwoods. Oh, because of all the pine needles, those little short pine well, she, needles. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. She doesn't like the shade they cast, and the, yeah. she can't do anything about that. Well, she tried. She tried to um, massacre them. She she did, she got a guy up there. Oh, on her side. Well, no, not on her side. Oh. So we chased him out of the yeah, trees. Yeah, you sure did because yeah. those are your trees. Right, right. It's yeah. amazing. So she waited till she knew we were having a performance, and when we were gone, and she got the guy up there, and just you know really really cut the shit out of them. 
and dropped it all in our backyard. So we came home from a performance at like one in the morning and the redwoods were like, you know. You're going, something's the matter. Something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. So did you, what did you do with the, how did you handle that? Um, well, um, we ended up hiring somebody. We spent a lot of money to get somebody to go up and, and fix them, you know, cut them so that they weren't all chopped up and fixed. And she hasn't done anything since then. They seem happy. Oh, you, what mean, do you have? it was you, clear that she wasn't, you know, I mean, that's the joke of it. The Redwoods were just like this, like, yeah, right. You know, they were completely okay. And we had our gardener guy come over right after, and I said, you know, are the Redwoods okay? He said, the Redwoods are fine, believe me. Now, the Redwoods, <laughs> they are a community. It's amazing. You have how many? We have four, five beautiful five. Redwoods well, in our backyard. Well, and Redwoods grow underneath, and they really are together. It's all yeah, one big tree. That's yeah. what's so beautiful about all Redwoods. All under the ground. Yeah, yeah underground. It's yeah. all one tree. Yeah. The rebirth of forests. <laughs> the wind is blowing light, serious clouds through the blue sky. Leaves are talking in 10,000 voices. I let the sun slip through my closed eyelids and play with the light. I walk across the park and a golden snake shimmies down the asphalt in front of my feet. Today I celebrate the discovery that trees return 50 to 75 percent of rainfall to the atmosphere by respiration and evaporation, more than seas or rivers do when the rain runs off the bare mountains or plains in the capillary rivers. Those wondrous ancient cultures have burned their forests for heat and firing pottery and disappeared, leaving deserts in their places. Now, tw 200,000 acres of forest today are being cut from the Amazon and parts of the African and Asia, eliminating thousands of species and diminishing oxygen and rainfall. And here we are selling off American forests less than 3% of the original redwood forest left in California. When will we plant 200,000 acres of trees a day, or even a month, or in to increase rainfall downwind and bring back dark fertility and oxygen and habitats for the plains, and animals and precious life-giving rains before drought and desert dissolve more lives and cultures we are bound together, earth, air, water, plants, animals, humans, one embrace, one deep, long, timeless breath, in and out, in and out, yet we tear away from that all-embracing caress. We should send this to her. <laughs> should I make a copy of it? And, and, Stick it and in her mail Because I have a beautiful picture that I've drawn with this, and we could just put it, we could put it at, uh, her, uh, at her, right inside her gate. Yeah, I think Is it a gate next door? She's a lost cause. <laughs> yeah. Do you think she would know where it came from? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I think we're on her mind quite a bit. She... She rips down the flyers for the performances every single month. Oh, man. Every single month. She comes out there. Uh -huh. Oh, we have photographs. We have photographs of her chopping down trees and taking down. She gets her, um, she gets her what is that called? A tree picker thing, a pruner, so oh, she yeah, can reach the high, high ones. Yeah. We, 
R R U running out of time. Oh, yes, mm. yes. We are. Yes. It's You're keeping tabs of our time. Mikey huh? keeps tabs of our That's his job. <laughs> He's the guy that has to put it into a show. Oh, this was fun. Yes, yes. I'm so glad you're can helping. Wha where can they find you on the internet? Well, let's see. For Alan, you can find him at Alan Cohen at, uh, what is that, uh, U.S. Dot com, or um, that's one place. So I it's A L L E N C O H E N. Yeah, at us dot com or dot net. I think. Oh, I really wasn't. Okay. I wasn't. Well, I think if people just if they Google Alan Cohen, they would they can, find they can the find stuff. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't have anything for me, just yeah. for Alan. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, I have Facebook. I put all my drawings on Facebook. Oh, well, that's good. Which so is that's Ann Cohen. Ann Cohen. And yeah. then I also, I was looking down my wall, and I realized I have a lot of my drawings, but I have a lot of Alan in between and all yeah. stuck up. You know, today when I, was when I was looking at that Monterey Pop thing, I was putting up poems and things of Alan's yeah. to... And don't we have Anne's stuff up on our website? Yeah, so if people go to aeroplay.com yeah. and go click on featured artists, and there's a lot of Anne's work right. up there. Right. Yeah. But then those books that I was telling you about, yes. that would be, like I had said before, yes. that is from, um, I will s tell you again. It's Global Recording Artists at www.graugroup.com. <coughs> so that's can, where you can find you this can book. You can get the Oracle. Yeah. You can get the Book of Hats. There's Like a Radiant Dove. Alan's. Um, I love yes. that book. I gave yes. you that one. Yeah. 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 And then soon another one. That we'll have a lot of our artists, yes, yeah, illustrating. Is that it? Yeah. So that's it, everybody. That's it. And Cohen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. So.